Yeah, so if you're following along, uh, this is in Mark chapter 6, and uh, it's verse 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him that they had all done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. It was a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you, gave them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, they would take, it would take eight months of a man's wages, and we go to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Thank you, Esther. Beautifully read. It's great to hear those stories, isn't it? And just catch a glimpse of... Uh, I don't carry these around with me, these lights, by the way. I'm just... A Sunday, if you don't know, uh, where we ask... Uh, everyone, including uh, Bex and I, our family, to consider financially giving to the work of the church. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, I want to do this relatively briefly. And I've picked that story. It's not the most obvious story to pick on a gift Sunday, I guess you might be thinking. But I picked this for a few reasons. And the first was that this story actually starts with compassion. It's about compassion. And, uh, you know, you've heard, I won't repeat it, verses 30 to 34. Jesus, basically, the disciples, they've been doing all sorts of stuff. They're a bit tired. They need a bit of space. And uh, they want to withdraw, get some food on their own, a bit of downtime. And so they hop in a boat, as you do, and they travel away. And uh, the crowds have spotted them, and they sort of follow them. And then, I don't know what you would do, but they land and uh, they don't hop back into the boat and row as fast as they can away. Actually, uh, Jesus has compassion on the people he sees, as we've just heard, uh, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so rather than sort of uh, go and do what they were going to do, he stops and he basically starts teaching them and speaking to them. You see, Jesus was compassionate. Jesus, everything he did actually uh, was uh, done from a place of compassion. And uh, what is compassion? It's like having a, uh, a concern for other people at its broadest sense. He was concerned for other people. And uh, especially those people who uh, had needs or were struggling is this sense of compassion. And you and I basically need compassion in our lives. We need compassion from our parents, from our brothers and sisters. Uh, we need compassion from our friends. We need compassion from uh, 
uh, our teachers at school, from uh, lecturers at uni. We're, we need it from our bosses at work. We, we need compassion if we are to flourish as people and live well. And this is why Jesus really models a compassionate life. And uh, he's compassionate, and he calls us to be compassionate too. Not just that we need it, but we can be people who extend compassion to other people. And this lies at the heart of the faith, doesn't it? That we have come to faith, we've decided to follow Jesus Christ, and we've made decisions to uh, basically lay down our own life for the sake of other people's lives, to think about other people uh, as we do life. And uh, when we do that, actually, we find life and life to the full, uh, according to him. I haven't always been a Christian. I remember basically uh, coming to faith in my early 20s, and I uh, had a great friend at that time. And um, I was at law school, actually, in Guildford. So I was at college. And this friend of mine, it was my birthday, and she gave me this big parcel. I opened up the parcel. Inside was this Patagonia fleece. And uh, do you know what a Patagonia fleece is? They were all the rage about 20 years ago. I looked one up, how much they'd be. They're about 150 quid to buy new today. And so I have this medical condition where I can feel the cold more than your average person. And so she gave me this thing, and I put it on. It was, it was really good. It was all really nice and snuggly, really nice and warm. And uh, so I go up to London the following week, thinking, here I am in my Patagonia fleece. And uh, I'm walking along High Street, Kensington. There's this homeless guy. It's a freezing cold night. I remember, bitterly cold. And uh, walking along, I just felt God say to me, give him your fleece. I'm like, no way, <laughs> forget it, it's mine. And uh, I, I got a sort of niggle, so I went back and I just sort of, flipping great, and just gave this guy a fleece, said, put that on, it's absolutely freezing. And to this day, I will never forget his face, and I will never forget the face of a driver in a car who was stuck in a traffic jam, just looking on with shock as uh, I walked off. So we're called to be compassionate, to think about other people, to share our resources with other people, our time, energy, money, and uh, Jesus is compassionate. By the way, I still haven't got an oven given that fleece. When I looked it up last week, it was 150 quid. I thought, why did I do that? But there you go. That's just me. Now, compassion is uh, also very, very powerful. This is why we're called to be compassionate people, because actually it's what changes the world. I don't know whether you've read any books by Rodney Stark. You probably haven't, but he's a sociologist. And uh, I don't think he's a Christian, but he's, he's tried to analyze why Christianity has changed the world. Why on earth did this movement of people has had such a profound impact on the world? And he concludes in his, one of his books, in the midst of the squalor, misery, illness, and anonymity of ancient cities, Christianity provided an island of compassion and mercy. It started with Jesus, and it's changed the world. So you see, we're called to be compassionate, think about other people, and everything we do as a Christian starts with compassion. Uh, uh, you can't actually do what God asks you to do without compassion. Our vision here to love God, love people, make a difference is based on compassion. It's about other people. Uh, I'm not going to repeat what I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we're looking to bless the lives of other people in the town. 
We're looking to uh, actually bless people in our neighborhoods, in our friendship groups, in our networks, in our workplaces. We're looking to uh, bless uh, the next generation here, and we're looking to really bless people overseas too. It's about compassion for other people. So this gives Sunday, what I want to do, first of all, is just a reminder us that any, any talk on a gift Sunday, it's about focusing on other people and doing a Jesus in that respect and uh, thinking about their needs, what they need. And uh, what I want to do as I begin is just actually thank you all for your incredible generosity, your generous group of people in many, many ways, not just financial, but it is Gift Sunday, so I want to thank you tonight for your generosity uh, financially in giving to the church. And uh, also I want to thank the finance team. I'm thinking of Neil, I'm thinking of people like Chris, Andy, who do such a fantastic job uh, with the finances. Can we give each other and them a big round of applause? Secondly, I picked this story because it's about responsibility, verses uh, 35 to 37. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, one of the interesting things, if you read the New Testament, and uh, I relate to this in my own life, I often want to put responsibility for certain things onto other people. And you see the disciples trying to do this. They're sort of, okay, we're here. We're in the middle of the nowhere. Jesus, okay, you've ruined our quiet day away, and you spent time with these people. They've got no food, and uh, just, uh, just go and please sort that out. Send them away. Tell them to go and get something to eat. And Jesus says this uh, quite chilling thing in verse 37. He answered, you give them something to eat. You, you, you. <laughs> You give them something to eat. So they're like, oh, okay. He says, you're responsible for feeding these people. And um, what we can have a tendency to do is to actually uh, not follow our responsibilities. And uh, actually, you see the disciples doing it here. Now, I remember one of the compassionate people I had in my life at school was a teacher called DPW. And he was an American guy, had a funny mustache. And he spoke with an American accent, which I'm not going to keep doing because I'm feeling slightly sensitive and self-conscious already just doing this right now. So let's just stop that. I don't know what happened there. But basically, he stands up in one of the lessons. He'd been really compassionate to us all. He says, you know, you guys started so well. We're about 15, 16. He said, you guys started this term so well. And uh, he said, you've just given up, haven't you? You seem to, for some reason, think it's cool not to work very hard. You seem to think it's cool just to turn up late to class. You seem to think it's really cool just to do the bare minimum. And, uh, you know, I'm not impressed. And he said, I'm meant to be setting you a week-long homework sort of revision for your study week, for your marks. I'm not setting you any because I'm not going to bother uh, marking uh, anything that's coming at the standard it's coming. And instead, I just want you to do one thing. Well, <laughs> I want you to take responsibility for your life. And I want you just to go home for a week. I'm not sending you any essays. I'm not sending you any work. But I do want you to just choose or consider to choose to take responsibility for who you are 
and what you're about. I want you to take responsibility for the gifts you've been given and for the intelligence you've been given. And I want you to think about whether you're going to just squander that or waste that. I want you to think about whether you're going to really go for it and do the best you can. I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm talking about you stepping up and being the best you can be. Now, I must have been set about 150,000 other essays that week. I've forgotten them all, but I've never forgotten DPW's words, this sense of taking responsibility. And you see, Jesus calls us to take responsibility for our lives. You are a gifted group of people. He's gifted you in a number of ways. He's called you to do all sorts of things, to step out uh, in faith, uh, to actually follow him and find life to the and life to the full, but he's not going to force you to do that. And the question is, uh, are you going to step up and take responsibility and go for it? And it's something that we have to choose to do each day. We have to make a decision and put a stake in the ground each day. And on a gift Sunday, and I don't mean this in an aggressive way at all, we, we have all sorts of responsibilities as Christians, but one of them on gift Sunday is actually to support the financial work of our church and to uh, fund the work of our church. And so that's partly why I picked this, because actually, you know, there's a sense in which we have a responsibility to do all sorts of things in the Christian life, but one of them is to fund the work of our church. I say that with no aggression, by the way, or no sort of funny energy or anything like that. I'm just reminding us. And so what I want to do very briefly is just ask, you know, if you've recently joined St. Saviour's, would you consider uh, giving financially to the church? I reckon it takes about three months, maybe six at the absolute max, I think three, to work out whether you want to join a church family or not. When you've made that decision, can I encourage you to financially contribute uh, to the life of the church? And if you've been here uh, a while, maybe longer than three months, longer than six months, you've not yet sorted out giving to the church, can I ask that you do that, please? Um, and consider to do that, please. And if you're going to do that, could I ask you to do that by uh, standing order? You know, a sense in which you can put uh, an arrangement with your bank to the church bank account for a regular amount of, uh, of money coming in so that then we can just budget and make wise decisions about what we're seeking to do and know what our income streams are going to be. So I have picked this story, if you like, because it's about compassion uh, it's about responsibility. Thirdly, it's also uh, about cynicism. 37, the second half of this. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? The implication being, of course, that they're not going to. Um, but the disciples kind of think it's ridiculous. How on earth can we feed these people? It's 5,000 of them at least. That's just the men. What about the women? What about all those kids going crazy? You really think we can do that? It's impossible. And uh, one thing that can happen in the Christian life is that you can become cynical. And you can become cynical in a number of different ways. I, I realized uh, a few years ago I'd become quite cynical. Uh, you know, I looked good. I looked like a good Christian. Uh, but actually, you know, was I really believing who God was? Was I really believing that he could do what he said he could do? Was I really uh, believing that when I prayed, he was really listening and was going to make a difference? Was I really, really believing that X, Y, and Z? And I'd become quite cynical. And uh, cynicism uh, is an 
everywhere, actually. And there can be cynicism around giving to a church. There can be a sense of, uh, actually, oh, the church. Uh, you know. And we live in a culture where institutions are treated with great cynicism. And I get the reasons why governments, political parties, uh, the judiciary, uh, the medical profession, I, I understand why that's happening. But the church is part of that. And uh, we have to remember that actually uh, the church is absolutely extraordinary and absolutely amazing. So I would encourage you not to become cynical. You know, the Oxfam scandal of the last two weeks has been, uh, on one level, really terrible what's actually happened. But um, it, it sort of can add to that cynicism. And I have to say, I think Oxfam's absolutely amazing. The work they do is absolutely incredible. So please hear what I'm saying. We can also develop cynicism around our ability to give. It's like, I've got no money. I don't know about you. I don't start thinking, yeah. You know, it can be, gosh, I've got, I've got very little resources to give away. And uh, please hear me. There's no pressure here. There's no sort of, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you up against the wall. But I, I would remind you that we're, we're called to give, and it's not the amount that's important, actually. It's actually the fact that we are giving. Jesus tells stories about people giving small amounts. They're highly commended. So don't become cynical about your ability to give. Also, don't become cynical about whether your giving, even if it is small, will make any difference. Because uh, as we will see, God actually multiplies things. And he does extraordinary things with what we give him. Uh, not just financially, but with our own lives. I've been amazed in my life. I, I, I've, given, <laughs> I've given him a little, and I've watched him multiply things in, in, in amazing ways. Um, and, you know, this is, the, this is the gospel. This is the heart of what we um, believe. So, basically, let's get rid of any cynicism. Let's give generously. Let's go for it. And, uh, actually, it was Martin Luther who said there are three conversions necessary for the Christian life. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and uh, the conversion of the wallet. Are you fully converted, is what I'm trying to ask tonight. So I can't remember all these things so far, but I think it's compassion. I think it's responsibility. I think the story is about cynicism. This story is also about generosity, verse 38. And uh, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. So 5,000 men, lots more people, and all they can find is sort of, uh, you know, Five loaves and two fish. And in John's gospel, you know, John records, actually, they, they got it off a little boy in the crowd. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, the disciples probably uh, nicked his packed lunch, you know, for the day. And the thing is, you know, people think there's probably more food in the crowd, but people with, with, were withholding it. Not enough to sort of feed everyone, as Jesus goes on to do, but there was probably more there. And... Um, you know, you know, Bex and I have just been in Israel, and before we left, you know, are, are you a sort of, um, who, who here packs like 10 minutes before you go on a trip? There's quite a few of you. Who sort of tries to think it all through and da-da-da-da-da-da-da? There's even more of you. So I'm a bit like that. Uh, as I get older, I sort of think, oh, let's sort this out. So I said to Bex, should we take some snacks to Israel? You know, <laughs> and uh, she said, what do you mean? I said, well, should we take some sort of maybe bars, you know, some nuts, some almonds, I don't know what. She said, no, we'll just, buy, we'll just buy them there. But anyway, I decided to put a few in anyway. And uh, 
when we got there, we discovered it was actually quite hard to buy stuff in the, in, 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 on this trip uh, for a whole variety of reasons. So basically, I had my secret stash. And um, what, was, what was really terrible, don't tell Bex if you see her, but uh, I didn't tell her that I had my stash. And she was, she was quite tired on this trip, so she kept falling asleep on the, on the coach, which was perfect. Because every time she fell... Every time she fell asleep, it was like chocolate. It was like cashew nut bars. And uh, she'd wake up, you know, and uh, so oh, I feel a bit hungry. I said, oh, God. gee, I said, not really. I'm fine, thanks. Um, <laughs> but we can hold our resources, can't we? It's not just, as kids, I look back, I remember sort of hiding stuff and not sort of really sharing stuff. But we do that as adults as well. I, I still do it to this day, I've got to be honest. So um, what I want to encourage is generosity. And, um, you know, uh, I would just be as generous as you can. This story um, also is actually uh, about obedience, verses 39 to 44. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups, hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And the brutal truth is that when we follow Jesus and do what he asks us to do, and we actually do our best to follow his teaching, that's when things get really, really exciting. And we see him do amazing things. Now, as I said, I haven't always been a Christian. I did go to a church about four or five times as a boy, actually. And I remember turning up in the church, and uh, this uh, person on the door, I was with a friend, this person on the door said, would you like an orange uh, squash? I thought, I love an orange squash. She handed me this little plastic cup, you know, the ones that wrinkle and crinkle when you hold them. And I, I had a sip. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's not orange squash. That's more like water. You can barely taste the orange. You know, you know that, you know, like wheat, you know, it's like, you know, if you boiled it for a million years, there might be some sort of orange squash in there eventually. But, you know, it was, I remember thinking, gosh, they diluted everything. It's so bad. But one of the problems, one of the temptations as we follow Christ is dilution and to water down uh, what he's calling us to be and watering down what he's calling us uh, to do. And Jesus uh, actually has a conversation with the disciples about this. There's this event of the feeding of the 5,000. There's an event of the feeding of the 4,000. And I won't go into it now, but uh, he's says to the disciples after the feeding of the 4,000, he says, watch the yeast of the Pharisees. They think he's talking about bread, and they're like, well, I don't really get it. Then he says, no, 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 I'm talking about teaching when I say that. And he says, you've got to watch the influence of the Pharisees' teaching. It's very different to my teaching. I am about the kingdom. I'm about love. I'm about grace. I'm about transformation. And uh, I am the Messiah. Their, their message is different. And they're trying to dilute my message. And you've got to be careful. And if you want to look at this, I'll give you a quick heads up. Uh, if you look at the raw material of the feeding of the 5,000, I think there were five loaves, two fish. It led to 12 basketfuls uh, at the end. Now, with the feeding of the 4,000, there's even more than five loaves, two fish. But it leads to less food being produced. And Jesus is saying, just be careful that you don't dilute 
my message, you don't dilute my teaching because it leads not just to dilution, it leads to less um, fruitfulness and harvest. So we need to, uh, and we don't talk about this too often in the church, but we need to be people who are obedient to God's teaching. And we're obedient to God's teaching because it leads to life. So on this Gift Sunday, let me ask, how much should you and I give? The Old Testament law actually teaches that we give 10% of our income to uh, the work of our local church. Actually, we're people of the New Testament. We live in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not bound by the law. This is a problem with the Pharisees' teaching. But actually, we, uh, our duty today really is to pray and just say to God, hey, God, how much do you want me to give to St. Saviour's, this church of which I'm part? Who knows? It might be less than 10%. It could be more than 10%. Who knows what it will be? But we're seeking to be people who follow the Spirit in freedom and in uh, uh, you know, generosity. Now... This gift day, more than any others, I've been here nearly five years, we need people to respond because uh, you will notice if you study these things that our income is £200,000 down than it has been on previous year's budgets. So our income has fallen over the last years. And also, if you look at the accounts and the information we circulated, which was totally accurate, the figures can look inflated because actually we have received, and this is staggering, we've received... Uh, £450,000 worth of legacy income this year. People in their wills have said, I want to leave some money since savings. We've got £450,000 worth of that. And uh, so we look uh, much more wealthy than we uh, in fact are. In fact, um, we don't spend, we can't spend, we don't want to spend any of that money on the day-to-day because we're trying to honor the people who have given us the money and they've, they've asked us, uh, you know, we're using some for an organ, we're using a lot for the building, which actually is, is real, in real need of uh, attention. Uh, and so this can make us look a bit more uh, flush uh, of cash than we actually are. So could you just turn to the person next to you and say, at this time, our church uh, family need to respond uh, financially on this gift day. Just, I just want you to make sure you've got this message. Do that 10 seconds, then I'm going to try and land the plane. There's real enthusiasm. There's a ripple around the room. There's dancing. <coughs> That's more than enough. You've got it. Okay, so... What I'm wanting to do is raise quite a bit of money today so that we can do a number of things, but I'm going to highlight two things. One is to really uh, support and beef up our work with special needs, families, and children. That's one thing we're seeking to do. And the other thing is we're looking to find an associate. Does anyone remember Tom? I know lots of people are new. Andy Wheeler. You know, these are, these are sort of contemporaries of mine who help lead the church. We, we, we don't have people at that level uh, at this moment in time. So I'm really wanting to try and uh, recruit someone. So that's what we're hoping to raise money for. The final thing, as I close, is I want to say that this story is about multiplication, verse 42 to 44. They all ate and were satisfied. Disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, 
I was having breakfast with my kids. I had breakfast with my boys every day. And uh, it was about Tuesday or Wednesday. One of them said, um, you know, okay, it's Ed Sheeran. Everyone's laughing. Is that, is that Ed Sheeran? Okay, yeah. Did anyone watch the Brits this week? Okay, let's forget it. Let's move on. So this is, I'm having breakfast. I'm having breakfast with my boys. One of them says, Dad, what are you doing on the weekend? I said, well, I'll be at church. They said, of course you are. Are you doing anything? I said, actually, it's Gift Sunday. They said, what's Gift Sunday? I said, it's a Sunday where we, we try and uh, ask the church family to financially contribute to the work of the church. And that includes our family, and I said. And one of them said, what do you think would make people give lots of money? I thought, that's a good question. And I said, what do you think would make people give lots of money? And they all went quiet. One was eating some strawberry jam on toast. Another was sort of doing a, doing a Weetabix jobby. One had sort of done a sort of melange of um, <laughs> muesli and various things. And they were all like, <sighs> The moment. Jesus? <laughs> but he's absolutely right. Because it is ultimately in response to Jesus that we give. This person who doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't done. This person who opened his hands, has given everything, his time, his energy, his money, his very life, so that we might have life. And so this is why we seek to give. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give you two minutes, maybe three I'd like you, there's no pressure here, but I, I want to give you space tonight to actually just say to God, okay, God, it's Gift Sunday. Um, I've heard all this, what Mike says. Um, how would you like me to respond financially at this time in my life? And um, he knows exactly what you earn. He knows uh, your circumstances. He knows your financial struggles too, if you're sitting there with financial struggles. So uh, let's pause, let's pray, and let's listen.